0: You're listening to United Q podcast. We are brought to you by Pro Q, Kamado Joe, ThermoPen and Smoke with Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Komando Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen instant read thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent.
1: on this week's show we have jason wood hey jason you all right Good, thanks ben how are you really good thank you mate thanks for coming on the show we've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time now um you've sent us you gave us some feedback on the show uh, way back now because i was looking back through the emails trying to find when we first spoke and i think it was about almost probably a year ago now that we spoke to you on email and I was like It was, yeah,
2: no. Yeah. I've been uh funny guys for a while and um I have actually I can hand on heart say that I've listened to every single one of your podcasts.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed every single one of them.
2: Done <laughs> more than others, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Always the standards always very high.
1: Let's see what you think of this one.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure I'll be listening to this one to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always a bit funny listening back to your own voice. We, yeah. We still haven't got used to it. Not, not that we sit there and listen to ourselves too often but there we go <laughs> um as you know Dan's in Japan at the moment so it's just going to be me and you for today
2: yep yeah, that's cool
1: cool right so i was go- i was going to like introduce you as the master of barbecue um because because based on like your research project you did for your masters was all about kind of barbecue and sustainability and stuff like that so i wonder if we could like really spend the majority this we'll we'll get into that. Let's start off by you just introduce yourself and who you are, what you're about, and then I just want us to really get into this kind of lecture on barbecue and sustainability.
2: Yeah, so my name's Jason Woods and uh I have been to barbecue for quite a few years. Um for my thirtieth birthday a few years ago, um I decided to have a bit of an upgrade and go from the uh, the gas barbecue and the the quite small uh, charcoal barbecue I had. Um, and got the uh, got a Weber kettle um, with a nice table and the gas starter on the side, um, and yeah, I just kind of thought I might uh, just keep going doing the usual grilling stuff until um, I went to America uh, with work and uh, went to Kansas. And, of course, uh, everyone who knows barbecue knows that Kansas is the epicenter of barbecue, which I didn't actually know till I went there. <laughs> and uh, me and a mate of mine um, basically uh, spent the, the sort of two weeks we were there getting every opportunity to go to all the barbecue joints that we could um, in and around Kansas, not just in Kansas City, but uh, some of the outlying areas where you've got the proper mum and pop joints. So um, so I'm massive into barbecue. And then um, about 18 months ago, um, I... Uh, I had the opportunity to do the last part um, of an MBA, so a Masters in Business Administration, and um, there was lots of topics I was looking at, and um, kept coming back to barbecue for some reason, um, as we all do. So, um, so the first essay I had to do, um, you had to pick a critical issue in business, and uh, I thought, well, well, let's look at let's look at the barbecue industry. You know, I was getting into the podcast by then, I was um, on sort of social media looking around on the groups and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, So I wrote an essay, a uh, very short one, uh, just looking at the trend of UK barbecue um, in relation to uh, the, the sort of the rise of um, the fast food, not the fast, the fast casual dining industry. Um, and then when it came to doing the dissertation, which was obviously the quite large bit of work, um, again I was a bit stumped, and I sort of started down this barbecue path. And I sat down with my supervisor and said, right, kind of, you know, barbecue could be could be doing anything about the barbecue industry. Is there much out there? And she sat down and said, well, you need. You kind of need a, a template to work off so um i sort of went back to the books kind of ah sustainability there's nothing written down anywhere about sustainability specific to the barbecue industry so i thought um i know what i'll look at sustainability and then i go out and interview you know a dozen people in the barbecue industry and uh and see how it compares and supervisor absolutely loved it so um I had an absolute well of a time last summer, um, uh, obviously the busiest time for the barbecue industry, and it was pretty hard to tie people down. Um, but, yeah, doing various interviews with uh, sort of 12 people in the barbecue industry, um, Yeah, getting a feel for, um, for how sustainability was. Um, and it's not that I'm an eco warrior or, you know, had any background in sustainability. It's a world away from what I do as a day job. Um, but, yeah, I found it absolutely fascinating um, and some good stuff came out of it.
1: So who did you speak to then for your 12 people that you wanted to get on the your? I know you're asking. Yeah. yeah.
2: So um, uh, I, I tried to get hold of you guys, but uh, like I say, you know, trying to get hold of you when you were doing Q fest uh, for the first time last year wasn't wasn't easy. Yeah, bad timing. Um, <laughs> so I mean, bizarrely, I mean, down your neck of the woods, there's uh, there's quite a good congregation of people down there. So um, uh, Steve Williams at the Pig and Pallet um, was was bizarrely. He was the first person I interviewed. Um, He was also, um, it was also the place where I had my first taste of barbecue in the UK. So when I came back from Kansas, we were on holiday down in Exmouth. And um, I noticed this smell in Topsham around the corner. And um, we were just walking past it. That smells interesting. Uh, So we walked over and and found the pig and pallet, and uh, never looked back since. But anyway, so Steve, Steve was the first one I interviewed. Um, Marcus, he's obviously not far away as well. Um, I went to go and see the guys at the Sustainable Barbecue uh, Charcoal Company mm-hmm. um, up in the um, up in uh, near Gloucester. Um, Tom Bray, he runs Country Fire Kitchen. Um, he, I think, I think all of these you've had in the show actually. Yeah, just went um, for our guest list. didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a pretty good start point. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's the thing. The same names did keep popping up though. Um, Matt Williams at Oxford Charcoal, uh, yeah. Kelly Bramall. Uh, Craig Gibson, who um, is part of Smoking Dragons, um, but works at Hickory's uh, Smokehouse. Um, uh, Barbecue Bill uh, Gardner, who um, does stuff for UK Barbecue magazine, quite active on the forums as well. Um, Karen, down at Inkey's, um in Cornwall. Oh, yeah. um, the legend is uh, John Relihan um, at Holy Smoke, um, yeah, one of the awesome. nicest men I've ever spoken to. And um, I can't wait to catch up with him um, at some point in the future um and uh, and John Gower um down at Quiet Waters so you know a pretty yeah, um good mix there. surprising and stellar cast really uh, to get some good insights um unfortunately the area that I didn't manage to get anybody was on the butcher's side um I tried to get a few um of the obvious ones that um you know, have quite good links into the barbecue industry but again you know you were a busy time of year when I was trying to do it and uh, it just didn't work out but you know people were loads of people got back to me so um uh, Sam and Sean are at Hang Fire. Um, people were sort of really keen to be involved, but it was just a bit too difficult in the in the time frame. But um, no, I was very appreciative of all, all the time. So all those people I just mentioned, you know, uh, hugely thankful because I couldn't have done it without their their support. Yeah.
1: So so when you've got like so many different people there, did you kind of go into them all with the same kind of questions and stuff, or did you have specific things that you wanted to find out from different people?
2: Uh, So it was a semi-structured interview so I kind of uh, from the literature that I'd read which was all generic to sustainability and food sustainability in uh, in the round I had a sort of set list of topics um, and a kind of a rough question list to go off Um, but inevitably you get a bit sidetracked and obviously you know some people are going to have more of a background with charcoal or a bit of a background on the sort of social media side of things um, or from the restaurant uh, side of life as well so um yeah pretty much you know it wasn't the exact same questions to each each person um it was um, more of a you know set topics and, and go from there you know if someone's mid flow about something um you know you, no point cutting them off yeah
1: <laughs> so what what sort of things were you trying to find out from people
2: so um it was it was really to get their insights um from different perspectives of the barbecue industry whether they were a restaurant owner or a food blogger or a chef um or you know kind of all of the above to um to get their insights on some of the sustainability issues that were there and and obviously um some of them knew a bit more about um, some than others um so it was pretty good uh, cross-section and it was really to get their um, their views and um, their informed views on whether on certain topics um, the barbecue industry was, was being sustainable or not
1: mm-hmm. okay so i'm guessing you came to some conclusions towards the end of it did you have did you have like something you set out from the beginning that you kind of had like a a bold statement like the barbecue industry isn't sustainable or or did you say did you have anything like that when you started out with like a mission you were trying to find or not
2: I mean yeah I mean intuition told me that um, there was probably going to be a slightly more negative perspective on it um, and certainly when I asked people at the start of the interviews, you know, what, just, in, just in general, what do you think um, sustainability is going to be like? And bear in mind, they're all in the barbecue industry to some extent. Pretty much all of them said, yeah, it's not, not looking great, is it? Um, but then when I sort of started to um, explain a bit more of the background to sustainability and, um, in terms of looking at what the UN calls the triple bottom line, which is looking at the, the economic side, the sort of the, um, the environmental side, and the uh, and the social side so it's not just about the environment and you can't look at um anyone in isolation so you can't just go down the line of well you know the 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 overuse of meat in the barbecue industry means it's you know uh, damage into the environment because of the livestock you're producing well that's fine But well, what about you know the economic impact of it and the social impact of it as well so um when I sort of first started if I thought yeah do you know what it's not gonna not gonna look great but let's see what well, we can find that's positive, um, and you've got to kind of compare it against something. So let's compare it against you know what what the rest of the food industry is doing. And on most factors, unsurprisingly, the barbecue industry because it's not really a, a separate segment of the food industry, it's just a bit a bit unique. Um, on most factors, it's no better or worse um, than the rest of the industry. However, there's there's quite a few areas where um, it's both better and worse, and um, kind of for every uh, issue that was different to the rest of the food industry. It was better and worse. So, um, let's take uh, charcoal for example. Um, something that's obviously quite unique uh, to the barbecue industry um, and the barbecue food industry. If if charcoal is not produced and used in uh, in a sustainable manner, it can be one of the most destructive things that we can do. And both the charcoal producers that I uh, that I spoke to um, readily said that. However. If you do charcoal right, it is actually one of the most sustainable energy sources. If you're uh, not destroying uh, woodland um, and you're supporting local economies and not exploiting natural resources to do it, and you're producing it in a manner where all the harmful stuff that comes off um, the wood um, as you pyrolise it, um, it's not going to the atmosphere. then Actually, it's, it's certainly more sustainable than, uh, t- you know, Cold, taking coal out the ground or, yeah. or using uh, using oil so um so that that in itself um and you know unsurprisingly you look across um in you know, the barbecue industry now and you know, things like um the, the sustainable uh, charcoal is quite a hot topic on some of the forums and um and you know there's, there's some good charcoal producers we have in the uk that are really pushing that sustainability line um, it's becoming quite popular it's almost a bit of a badge of honor you know if you're seeing with um at a, at a trade stand or um, in a restaurant, um, you know, you're going to, people seem quite proud to advertise the fact that they're you know, buying um, local, are you British, um, and not imported charcoal that, that's been made sustainably. So, um, yes, the charcoal was was quite a big one. Um, another one uh, that was a bit of a surprise, but looking back probably wasn't and shouldn't have been, um, is that of brisket, which again, if you go on the forums long enough, um, you'll, you'll find Um, some pretty hot uh, debates on on briskets. And it seems pretty odd that just a single cut of meat um, can be such a divisive issue, but one that was quite prominent. Um, And I wrote an entire paragraph on brisket. In fact, interestingly, I I put um, all the interview transcripts uh, through um, a word cloud generator um, as part of my analysis. Um, In fact, initially, it was kind of just a bit of fun using the word cloud. I had about Seventy-five thousand words of transcripts that um, I I typed up by hand, and Ouch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to use a, a sort of a, a, a sort of an app that would do it for me, but it was pretty rubbish. Yeah. Um, and actually, as I was going through listening to it, you kind of uh, get to know what people are saying better than just getting a computer to do it. So, um, but yeah, having having done that, put it through the, the word cloud generator, and the uh, the word brisket came up more times um, in the interview than beef and cow put together, and more time than pork and chicken and um, pig, etc. So, Mm. um, you know, the kind of the evidence of just the the words people were saying alone um, was was quite uh, evident. And and yeah, unsurprisingly, um, you know, with brisket, if you're um, importing uh, US uh, largely grain fed uh, brisket um, with the costs um, environmentally of, of that to um to the, to the environment uh the transportation and the energy that has to go into that to get it to the uk um is you know quite a high um energy cost especially when you look at um things like the animal welfare of um uh, the usda beef 97 percent of which um comes from feedlots um where the sanitation isn't particularly good um, and we just don't have that kind of um uh sort of agriculture over here So um, so you sort of find that all together and, you know, so the USDA generally regarded um, by people I interviewed um, as being uh, seen as, uh, you know, less sustainable than than British brisket, um, which is grain fed. Um, But then it comes on to the sort of the sustainability versus quality issue, which again comes up. And um, uh, I I don't cook a lot of brisket. I have done some British briskets. I haven't cooked a USDA one uh, myself. and yeah, it's 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 not um, it's not an easy cut uh, to to get right. Um, there are a lot of people out there who say British brisket can be as good as uh, USDA, um, and I'm sure they're they're absolutely capable um, of, uh, of doing that. But yeah, bizarrely, brisket was one that um, that came out and yes. it's it quite prominent. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it being like like you said
1: being the case because I think people often just forget like when they when they're buying a brisket and everyone does want to try out these kind of usda or get an australian one in or all the rest of it and we are just always looking for those ones that are going to be adding so many miles onto their (laughs) onto their sustainability bill if you like and i've had it myself recently for catering events i've got one coming up where people have actually requested that they want all of the meat at it to be british so uh, they'd, mm. they, they said we want brisket we want this, we want that and and I was like right and they want it to be like competition-y style brisket as well so I was like well we'll get so we'll get this USDA this or we'll get this here and they're like oh no everything has to be British so at that point I was like well that's, that's fine I'm sure we can do this but it's not gonna it's, for me from my experience so far I, I've I've cooked quite a bit of brisket now and I have had some good UK stuff um, but I feel like it's not as reliable so for me as a caterer I feel like if I want to guarantee consistency at the moment I don't feel as confident in that area so where, where does the balance come with your kind of sustainability and ethics of being British versus quality of product and keeping people your customers happy.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's all about balance. Um, and if, mm-hmm. if food sustainability and sustainability across the board was such an easy problem, then, you know, one would have hoped we could have solved it by now. But it's not, because you're trying to do something uh, better on the one hand um, on a perhaps an environmental level but actually if you do that then you're probably having a second and third order impact on an economic or a social level uh, somewhere else down the line so it's, there's always going to be uh, a trade-off when it comes to sustainability and for a lot of people that I interviewed um, USDA was one of them I mean in their opinion um, it was um, a much uh, easier consistent as you say um, bit of meat to get right if you got the USDA stuff so if there was one thing they were going to compromise on um it was going to be that so they and so they 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 did it didn't, it didn't mean that their business model overall wasn't sustainable you know the rest of the stuff they were getting um you know it was all locally produced um and high welfare um and that sort of stuff um or it- they just um if it was going to deconflict or conflict with their um their morals so much they just didn't do it so um yeah. like the pig and pan for example don't have brisket on the menu um because they they don't like to um uh, Bar thing but they haven't seen alive. I think what Steve's words were. Yeah. Um, so they, they, so you go there and you get Chuck instead. You know, you'll get Chuck um, done. You know, fourteen hours cooked um, in their smoker, and um, and you'll have that instead. So I think it's um, and as you can see, a lot of our barbecue over here is massively influenced by American barbecue. Um, that's kind of what's driven it, I think, until this point. Um, so that's why you know everyone sees what goes on over there and wants to replicate it. But I think now that barbecue's got a bit bigger, people are being a bit more grown up about it and looking around and going, well, actually there are there are other ways of barbecue out of it that um can be more sustainable and uh are, and are a bit different. And people are obviously you know trying to look at the next trend and do the next thing. So um so I think the popular popular rise of um you know the Argentinian crosses, the Asado style, uh where you can cook, you know, pretty much anything on it really. Um, is another aspect of um, of barbecue that um, I think is uh, adding a kind of a new level, um, certainly on the sustainability lines, where I don't think people are sort of shunning the USDA thing. I think it's still very popular, but I think it's taking it in mediation as opposed to be absolutely, um, you know, fascinated by it.
1: I think I think the American barbecue scene's kind of encapsulated the nation of like people who have like got into barbecue and watched pitmasters, and they've discovered that kind of thing, yeah. but. But you'll probably well you'll you'll know from following myself and Dan that, that we're we're not American barbecue style guys, that we we do like to do that as well, but we're just cooks, that we're just chefs who cook on a barbecue, so uh, our barbecue Christmas book's a great example of that. It's just we just cook on a barbecue because that's a method of cooking that we prefer that we don't think you can achieve those flavours and textures in any other way. So uh for us American style barbecue is just one of those styles that you might cook. And it is the style that you cook if you're a competition barbecue team. Um, Although you've got stuff like Q-Fest on the ancillary rounds where it's all different stuff. So that's not the American style. Yeah. Just your standard brisket, pulled pork, ribs. We try and put it out there a bit more with doing some different things and make it more of a thing. And I think you'll see more and more of that coming in but you need to have these standards like you can't have something like kcbs going all around the world and just having random different categories in every different country because how how do you standardize that so we need to be able to standardize and that's why i think that's made it even more and more popular is the fact that that's the standard that's now going and being portrayed around the world so the more kcbs grows the more that type of cooking grows and it doesn't overly lend itself to a, evolve from that. So the people who can get out there and just cook their dinner outside, whatever their dinner is, don't worry about, Can is this barbecue food? It's just food and a barbecue is just an outdoor yeah. grill slash oven. So don't worry about it. And I think that's once people will realize that, and that is, that's that eureka moment Dan and I have with people all the time when we're doing like classes and stuff at people's houses, It's when you just go. This is just an oven that's outside, or it's a grill that's outside. Now, what do you normally cook in an oven and a grill? Oh, yeah, everything. And away we go. So, it's kind of knocking those barriers down. And once people realise that, away we go.
2: Yeah, and and um, you know, I'm certainly not knocking the American barbecue scene and its influence because you know that's one of the things that got me hooked on it in the first place. Um, and I think the fact that you have, you know, the KCBS competitions over here, it's great because it's promoting, you know, barbecue and outdoor cooking, um, to, because, you know, some people's first, um, exposure to barbecue might be that they've, you know, they've gone to Grill Stock or QFest, um, or Barbecue Q or something like that. Um, or they've seen it cooked at a food stand, um, a trade, sto- trade store somewhere. So I think yeah, it's great because it, it's, it's iconic, it's recognisable. Um, but, um, it's, it's, I think then, you know, kind of, putting your own spin on it and uh, taking it the way you want to. I think there's a lot in terms of the American style uh, in terms of uh, the cuts they use, uh, I think it's great because, um, you know, for all the knocking that barbecue might get for it's over-focus on meat. Um, most of the meats that you see, particularly in the American style of barbecue, is the stuff that used to go to dog food. Um, I think I think someone said once that, uh, you know, brisket was the stuff they used to give to the dogs. Um, and as only, you know, a cowboy probably left it a bit close to the fire one night uh, wake up in the morning and realize they've been cooking low and slow overnight and was like, hmm, this tastes good. So, um, you know, you look at ribs and, you know, chicken wings. So these are the stuff that, you know, uh, are not the prime cuts of meat. So, um, in fact, you look now and, you know, I think, you know, to get the price of brisket versus, you know, a fillet steak is probably getting pretty comparable at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of, I suppose, illuminating that um you know the popularity of these lesser cuts uh, that would have been thrown away or um or not suitable for human consumption that clearly are very consumption uh suitable for human consumption so um yeah the, the food waste and the sort of the nose tail aspect was definitely something that came up quite a lot as well in terms of um you know, people were saying that uh, it was barbecue that um meant they were getting into those lesser cuts and it opened more up to them in terms of nose to tail cooking and you look at some of the great nose to tail cooking places you know st john's uh temper um and they've all got a barbecue um element to them um either because you know great barbecue chefs have started there and it's it's something they've taken forward um or it's just something that they've they've taken on board you know it's quite a a raw natural way of cooking over a, a live flame you know um why not do the whole animal over it as a, as, a, as a again quite a raw way of cooking
1: so did when you kind of looked into it did you look much at that nose to tail And would you conclude that nose to tail is the like the most sustainable way to cook or not
2: absolutely so yeah the more uh, so it takes quite a lot of energy to raise an animal if you think that it's uh, taking on water you know water is a natural resource that can be quite scarce um you're having to feed it um in the in, in certain parts of the world that means you're feeding it a lot of grain which means you've got to grow the grain in the first place which means more water and um, you're probably using uh, fertilizers and pesticides on the grain to grow it before you're even giving it to the animals um and yeah this is the same grain that you would you know that you would give to humans you know it's um, pretty much the same stuff so um so there's quite high uh you know energy um impact to uh, to growing animals um they take up a lot of room Room that could be used for growing um, arable crops that we could eat, um, and to make more room for animals um, in certain parts of the world, that involves uh, deforestation. So, you know, it's it's quite widely recognised that um, the energy input uh, for a kilo of meat um, is a lot higher than it would be for a kilo of you know comparable um, sort of high protein um, uh, plant food. So, So, so that's 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 one aspect to it. So. If you're putting all that energy into rearing an animal, um, it seems a bit wasteful um, if you're then not using all of it. Um, I mean, yes, you might, you know, not say that it would all be wasted. Some might go being sold on as, as pet food or whatever. Um, but I think um, you know, the, the more of the animal we're eating, uh, it's definitely you know uh, more sustainable. And uh, again, that's something that came out quite a lot uh, in the, the interviews was. Um, the uh, the notion of the uh, the fifth quarter, um, which I suppose comes from this sort of the um, the Roman uh, era where obviously you would four quarter animal into its four quarters and they would be largely the prime cuts and then the fifth quarter uh, being the offal, so the bit that kind of wasn't considered, um, and a lot of not made huge amounts of um, cooking with with uh, offal um, on the barbecue. You do see things like pigs' cheeks, uh, pigs'. Uh, pig's heads, um, beef cheeks, um, being used a lot more in barbecue compared to other cuisines. So I think that's um, definitely something that's quite popular uh, and quite good to do uh, in barbecue. You know, some of these cuts of meat, barbecue is one of the only ways you can really cook it to make it taste nice. Um, You know, yes, you can do um, some of these cuts of meat uh, in an oven, but sometimes the cuts are too big to do in the oven or you can do within in the slow cooker, but again, likewise size, you're going to struggle a bit. Yeah, get a um, pig's
1: head in your stick- slow cooker.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need a pretty, pretty big slow cooker for that, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, there it is this
1: great little research project that you've done there. I'm really intrigued by it. Is, have you, have you published it for everyone to read it, or is it something that's just a private thing?
2: Um, I mean, i I've, uh, the, uh, the final version, uh, is, is quite long. Um, I think it was about 15,000 words and most of it would not be that interesting to any to people. Um, what I did do, um, is for the winter issue of UK barbecue mag, um, I did a shortened version, um, that I put in there. So if you go to the, um, winter version of UK barbecue mag, then, uh, you can get a more condensed version of it. But, um, yeah, I and mean, if anyone, um, if anyone wants to see the, I'll um, get a copy of the final version then um, get hold of me on, on social media. Um, and, um, and I'll be more than happy to, um, to, to pass it on. Um,
1: awesome. So b- before we wrap up, I just want to, cause we, we dive straight in and I was, I had already when you went, I've been to Kansas city and I've done all this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to get in there and <laughs> talk about that as well. So as quickly before we wrap up, let's just go back to Kansas a second and, Tell me a bit about it, cause I've not been out there, and clearly I would definitely want to go there. So, where where should I be going?
2: So I I, I didn't really go with my eyes open. Um, no. I all I all I'd really done on the barbecue until that point was uh, you know grilling. Um, I had the pizza oven for the Weber, so I was using that quite a lot because it was quite cool and something I hadn't done before. And then we um, we sort of uh, got got a local to uh, sort of tell us about Kansas and, and and tell us what it's about. And he said, well, it's all about barbecue. And uh, I said, like, okay, that uh, sounds interesting. He said, yeah, he's got these things called burnt ends and you need to try these. Uh, I was like, okay, never heard of it before. And then, um, yes, yeah, so we started going to the local barbecue places and it was a bit different to what I, I thought was going to be. If this was like the big local thing, they were all kind of quite local joints as in uh, yeah. Yeah, sort of the, the mum and pop shops. Yeah. And um, it kind of wasn't what I was expecting. So I didn't really go in with them. I was thinking, great, I'm going to Kansas, send you yeah. a barbecue uh, and I'm going to re- uh, sort of take it in. Um, but there's, I think it's a place called Joe's, which is based in a gas station. Um, mm-hmm. and we went there, uh, there was a place, um, just outside cans are called all slabbed up. Um, and again, like you'll find with, with most barbecue places, if you go in at the wrong time and the wrong day, they don't have half the stuff you want. <laughs> so, you know, they're taking so long to cook it, um, on, you know, some of these massive smokers that are the size of shipping containers and still they're running out cause they're probably doing, you know, perhaps one cook a week. Um, but uh, I think I, I then started using the the Food Network uh, website because so if you go on there, they, it, it gives you a map of um, all the places that they've featured on food shows. So I was uh, looking yeah, at yeah. You know, places that they've been on Man vs. Food and places like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean you can't you can't move for it. Um, it's um, it's good. Yeah, so you probably like
1: unknowingly probably did get to some of the places that everyone does really want to go because I think when you when you're already in the know you kind of have the all the high profile named places that you're going to be on your list to go but because you were in there early and you didn't know about those things already you probably just discovered the the real roots of it all didn't you
2: I mean yeah I mean we we're doing you know quick google searches to find various places but the end of was um you know asking the locals and saying because uh, we were staying just outside of Kansas um you know where are the good places to go um so yeah it really was the uh, you know the yeah, the the proper local places um, you know there's almost like uh, slightly dodgy looks when we're walking in some of them um, slightly uncomfortable feeling but you know from the locals that uh, you know the, the hospitality over there was was pretty good and you, you know uh, that you were soon put at rest when the waiter the waitress came over yeah cool
1: right so conclude for me your co your whole like your master's what was your kind of conclusion at the end of this whole report
2: I think I think basically it was along the lines of If you look at the UK barbecue food industry, um, it's pretty much the same as a lot of other parts of the food industry. There's good and there's bad. The areas that it differs from the other parts of the food industry, it's both, it's good and it's bad. It's really good and it's really bad. So I think we've kind of got a choice in terms of we can choose to be more sustainable or we can choose not to be. But I think you also need to have perspective on it in terms of it's about social aspects it's about economic aspects and it's about environmental aspects. And um, it's it's getting everything in balance. You're never going to have the most perfectly sustainable barbecue or a perfect sustainable anything. There's going to be something that's kind of a block there. Um, you know, since since doing my research, you know, I, I now know everything about it. I know the impact that my behaviours have. Um, does that mean that? Every bit of meat I have is bought from the local butcher. No, of course it doesn't. Does it mean that I only ever use sustainable charcoal? No, of course it means I don't. Um, but does it mean that I try and use the butcher a lot more regularly and ask a bit more about the meat and want to know more about it? Yes, it does. Um, do I buy a bit more sustainable charcoal? Do you know, do I buy uh, one bag of it? Um, you know, for every two I'm buying of something else? Yeah, it does. So I think it's about making little changes uh, to what you're doing and then overall, um, you know, having having a bit of an impact
1: perfect well thanks a lot mate it's been fascinating and I, I imagine you're going to get some people who are happy to read the full the full version because it is fascinating you've done like a lot of good hard work there and it's a really cool thing to contribute to the whole community so well done from me and from Dan as well if he was here he'd say the same thing so Keep up the good work. Uh, I don't imagine you're going to write another one unless you're going to do a doctorate and become the next Dr. Barbecue, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're well, interested in these. So when I, when I sort of told my friends I was doing an MBA, uh, they kind of automatically assume it was a master's in barbecue administration yeah. rather than yeah. business administration. <laughs> um but to me, yeah, I mean, the sustainable stuff, I mean, I, I may look to uh, sort of rewrite something for a, for a journal. Um, I've approached a couple, but no one's got back to me yet. But um, I think it's really just, I mean, there's there's loads of barbecue sites out there. And I, I started a barbecue site just over a year ago to kind of um, put some of the recipes and stuff up there, but record um, some of the stuff I was coming across. So I think uh, for the foreseeable future, I'm going to put a bit more effort to, into the site, uh, which is www hop, smoke, fire. Um, Hop as in uh, beer hops. Um, I was going to do a craft beer bit on there, but that's fallen by the wayside at the moment. (laughs) Um, But I added a tab on there called Barbecology, which I describe as the study of barbecue. Mm -hmm. And um, I've started to add a little bit more on there in terms of the background to barbecue. Um, In fact, in the most recent edition of UK Barbecue Mag, um, I wrote an article on um, how barbecue drove human evolution but um i think we'll probably save that for uh, for another day <laughs> um but check out the article on, on uk barbecue mag um because uh, it's on there so um awesome. yeah i think it's um, just looking around the place and, and saying you know whether it's the barbecue industry um or whether it's on the history of barbecue um sustainability um things like that um you know the sort of technical aspects of barbecue the science behind barbecue um and probably just exploring a lot more of that because um it's 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 quite hard to understand a lot of things, you know, about brining um, and smoke, smoking. How does it work? And different sorts of meats and fishes and that sort of thing. Uh, hot smoking versus cold smoking. And it's it's all quite baffling when you get into it. And um, and I think I probably just um, I certainly find it baffling. There's a lot of misinformation out there and um, uh, inaccurate information that you have to sift through. Um, so I think I might. know focus a bit more on the 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 technical and scientific parts of uh, of barbecue so you know there's there's plenty of blogs out there that are doing good recipes and stuff um so I think that's probably where I'm gonna take my stuff forward but I say you know this hasn't got nothing to do with my my day job this is um this is my hobby yeah
1: awesome I'll have to I'll lend you a book that I've got it's um it was recommended to me by Heston Blumenthal name drop in there um but he he recommended this book it's I remember the actual title, it's something like the science and law of the kitchen or something like that and it's it takes it all back to the very basics and it was what he said like really made him like get fascinated by the kind of real science of food and understanding exactly like what's going on and the processes and stuff and I think that sounds like it would contribute well to what you're doing Salah. At QFest to remind me and I'll lend you the book.
2: <laughs> yeah, no no dramas, I'll be down there. But some, I even see you know, professional chefs um, say things that make me question whether they really understand it. I mean, peppers is a great one, chilli peppers. Yeah. And they always say, yeah, if you just scrape the seeds out, um, that'll yeah. um, make them less. <laughs> Which is kind of true because the action of scraping the inside of a pepper uh, makes it less hot but it's not because you're removing the seeds it's because you're removing the capsaicin on the inside of the pepper yeah um, and i just always you know question whether they really truly understand it as well but um, i'm sure heston's all over it um he, he knows, knows everything his, he's a his, genius. His molecular gastronomy <laughs> yeah
1: awesome so you told us your website address but just drop us in your social media quickly before we go
2: yeah so you can find me um on instagram which is at hop smoke fire all one word uh the site is hopsmokefire.com and twitter is at hopsmokefire so yeah you can find me on those awesome. uh, on those channels <laughs> yeah i'll try to keep it all the, yeah all the same makes it easier doesn't it yeah
1: definitely Right, nice one thanks a lot again mate
2: cool we'll not a no problem ben soon. and uh keep up the good work, q fest and the podcasts um and i will see you in june
1: yeah see you there yeah. cheers yeah.
2: thanks a lot mate cheers Bye.
0: you're listening to united q podcast We are brought to you by Pro-Q, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and with Shack. Pro-Q's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow and gravity fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast thermopen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the spooky goodness, you provide the talent.